Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Take your Bibles and open up to the book of Joshua, chapter 22. Joshua, chapter 22. And if you don't have a copy of your own Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. And if you're using that, it's on page, right around page 231. All right, 231. That's where it'll be in that. Joshua, chapter 22. And we just have a couple more weeks here in our study through Joshua this week and next week. And uh, then in November, uh, we're going to start going through the book of Philippians together, and that'll take us through the end of the year. So uh, I encourage you, uh, as I do each week, if you have not read the whole of these texts, um, by the time we study them, I want you to go home and do that. Uh, best case scenario, you go home this afternoon and you read them this evening uh, before you go to bed. Just It re-solidifies it, church. If you're in the Word and you're feeding off of what God's truth communicates, and I challenge you this next week, go ahead and read chapters 23 and 24 before we come again uh, next Sunday, Lord willing, and uh, we will dive into that one together as well. And we have been... Uh, navigating the book of Joshua with this series theme, God is bigger, and uh, I'm going I'm, I'm to test you again here, we're going to proclaim this as the church, and uh, we've just got two more weeks here that we're going to do this, but I hope it doesn't end there, so um, let's see how well you can do this for the last two Sundays we're going to do it. You online, I expect you to do it as well, even if I can't hear you. If I end up hearing you, I'll be very impressed. Um, <laughs> so, well, I'm going to count to three. I want you to proclaim this truth, church, and uh, let's let's declare this together. Okay, one, two, three. Amen. And uh, we are going to continue in that theme. But today, uh, if you get nothing else out of our time together, this is uh, what I want you to grab hold of, and we're going to unpack and. Uh, you're going to see from Scripture why this is what I want you to grab hold of. Uh, that's in recognition of God's faithfulness, live faithfully. In recognition of God's faithfulness, live faithfully. And this is both a promise and a challenge. And it comes on the tails of what we've already walked through as we've seen God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel, His promises fulfilled, and we specifically looked at the trustworthiness, the promises of the Lord last week as we saw the Lord did exactly as He had told the nation of Israel He would do. But the question becomes, alright, God did this, now what? What from here? Okay, I obeyed the Lord and I lived back here in the way I was supposed to live, but now what? 
Now, to bring this into more, uh, I'll say more uh, relatable terms to start us off and consider this, I want you to stop and think for a moment about someone who has had a lasting or a profound impact on your life. Chances are, when you stop and you think about that person, you even hone in on one specific instance, maybe a conversation that was had that has resonated with you and has lasting impact on your life. And not only does it resonate with you, but in some ways you look back on that and you see that that conversation or that influence in some ways changed the very trajectory of your life. When I stop and think about that personally, uh, to give you a little insight into my story, I immediately think of uh, my pastor growing up, Pastor Al Summers at Czech Row Community Church. And Pastor Al was an intentional person. And specifically as a, as a young kid, it was uh, opportunities with me, time with me that I remember well. It could be something as simple as going to Bushnell and getting a soda and coming back and working on my BB gun that was not functioning. And then in the midst of that, there was spiritual conversation that was sprinkled throughout those times. But there's one instance in particular that I remember very well as a young man in junior high. I was really an angry kid, really an angry student, angry at everything. It wasn't one area. And I remember sitting across from his desk and he said, Matt, you have a choice. You have a choice to just root in and remain in your anger and you're going to continue to grow in this anger. It's just going to take root and it's going to continue to grow in your life. Or you can choose to follow after what the Lord has established and he'll create a new route for you. Now, that may seem less impactful as you think about that, but for me it was transformational, right? And even to this day, There's times when I have to stop and even consider once again those words in order that I might not have just heard them, but that I faithfully live them out. Now, the reality is each one of us can probably think of an influential person like that in our lives that we in some ways want to honor their legacy by being someone who would Honor them. And yet, how much more, church, should that be the responsibility that we feel when we consider the very faithfulness of Yahweh God? How much more should that be the very motivation of our hearts to go in light of what God has done for me? I desire, I long, I'm motivated to live faithfully for Him. And we're going to unpack that further as we step into Joshua 22. I want to start at verse 1, and I'm going to go through verse 6. It says, At that time Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I have commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days... Down to this day, but have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore, turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be very careful. Everyone say careful. 
Be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, to cling to him, to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their tents. Now, this first truth I want you to grab hold of is uh, seen in Joshua's challenge to the nation of Israel. It's also lived out in the challenge to us right here as the church. And that's this challenge to faithfully walk in truth, faithfully walk in the truth. Now, it starts out in a really positive light where Joshua is commending these two and a half tribes. He's saying, you guys have done well. You've obeyed the commands of the Lord. You have done what you were supposed to do. Well done. And yet, in verse 5, Joshua gives a very solemn warning to the same tribes that he has just commended. Be very careful to observe the commandments and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God. Walk in all His ways. Keep His commandments. Cling to Him. Serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul. Why is this warning necessary? The reality is, it, we don't have to look far to realize, you know what? <laughs> I have heard the truths of the Lord spoken to me many times. I have opened the Word of God at times. I've tasted of the Word of God and seen what He's done, and yet then am so prone to move back into my selfish way of being. So prone to lose sight of God's faithfulness. So prone to forsake the very God who has redeemed my life from the pit. And so we too need this warning. And Israel was no stranger to this. The very same nation who saw God deliver them out of Egypt, who went before them in the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, who defeated armies. And then they came to the promised land and said, "Uh uh-uh, we can't do this. Faithfully walk in truth. Now, there's much more we could glean from just this warning, but this section doesn't end here. And we want to see what happens next in the rest of Joshua 22 as it further emphasizes the importance of taking seriously and living faithfully to the instructions of the Lord. So we're going to pick up in verse 10, and I'm going to read through verse 12. When they came to the region of the Jordan, that is the land of, the, of Canaan, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad, the half tribe of Manasseh, built there an altar by the Jordan, an altar of imposing size. The people of Israel heard it and said, behold, the people of Reuben, the people of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh have built the altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region about the Jordan on the side that belongs to the people of Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, the whole assembly of the people of Israel gathered at Shiloh to make war against them. Wait a minute. What is happening here? The first time we read this, it really almost seems like siblings in a dispute. 
Like in, in my household, if things get a little tense, we go from zero to a hundred really fast. Someone colors a page that was their siblings paged color and all of a sudden, you know, the, the world is ending. And it seems like there's similar escalation here at first glance. Whoa, 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 whoa. They heard that an altar was built on the other side of the Jordan and instantly they make plans to go to war against their own people. Uh, while that may seem strange, there is something powerful here about recognizing how serious the nation took remaining faithful to the one true God. There's something powerful about this. Now, the reality is you may ask the question, why is this so, such a big deal in the scheme of remaining faithful to God? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 12, you can jot this down as a note. Deuteronomy 12, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read these verses. Here, God is very specific in his instruction to his people about how and where they go about worshiping the one true God. These are the statutes and rules that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess served their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars, dash in pieces their pillars, and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. A question we should ask when we read that is, why? Everyone say, why? You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go. There you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, the contribution that you present, your vow offerings, your freewill offerings, the firstborn of your herd and your, of your flock. There you shall eat before the Lord your God. You shall rejoice, you and your households, in all that you undertake in which the Lord your God has blessed you. Here is the core truth in this. Not only faithfully walk in the truth, faithfully defend that which is true. Defend the truth. You see, God had strategically orchestrated that the nation of Israel would have a central place to worship. And not only that, but that they would have torn down all of these other altars that would threaten these people, in the sense of their full devotion to the Lord. Now, it's kind of scary to stop and think about if we were to practice the same tearing down, what all we would need to get rid of right now in our own lives. To stop and consider what is it in the scope of my life that keeps me from worshiping and being fully devoted to the one true God. Well, here... In the midst of this, the nation of Israel as a whole is looking at what these two and a half tribes have done. And they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Stop. And it wasn't just, you know, God told us this once. They had lived this experience of what happened when they did not follow the commands of the Lord. And the text in verses 17 through 20 give two examples that I want to summarize for you. The first example is the sin at Peor. 
The sin at pure and the sin at pure is really it takes place in Numbers 25. If you want to go back and read that sometime, jot that down in Numbers 25, the sin at pure. And what happened was the nation of Israel began intermingling and sleeping around with women from Moab. After the Lord had specifically instructed them, this was not okay. And Numbers 25 actually specifically states that they ate and bowed down to their gods. And as a result of that, there were 24,000 people that died of a plague as a result of that disobedience. 24,000. This is the same text where Phineas runs in and spears two people through the center of them. Okay? You want to know the full story? Go read it. Okay? But what is noted here is that the sin of a handful impacted the whole. There's a second story that's mentioned here in Joshua 22 that we've studied. It's in Joshua chapter 7. The sin of Achan. What happened? God gave very specific instruction. You are not to take any of the devoted things from Jericho. It's all devoted to destruction. Achan, man, I like stuff. He takes the stuff. He hides it. They go up to war against the nation of Ai. Men lose their lives. And God says, there's one amongst you who sinned. I'm not with you. I'm no longer with you in this. Israel recognized the destructive power of sin and its effect on not just one or a handful, but on the whole. Church sin is destructive. And if we're going to fight the fight well against our tendency to sin, we have to recognize what has been given us in Christ, but we have to faithfully defend the truth. And understand here, this is not faithfully defending your truth. This is faithfully defending the truth. Because the minute we start defending your truth and what you want to be true, we're down a path of relativism that doesn't end. Your truth becomes anything you want to conjure up. But we are called as the church to defend the truth, the truth that God gave one way to come to Him. Jesus, our Savior. And that anyone who would believe in the name of Christ can be saved. The truth. But it doesn't end there, church. There's so much more about how we grow to follow in Christ's example. There's so much more about how we faithfully live and walk as children of God. Don't just strive to walk in the truth. Defend it. You will not defend something you do not know. Know it. Internalize it. Write it on your heart, on the whole being of who you are, that you might glorify God in recognition of God's faithfulness. Live faithfully. Now I want to actually go, I'm going to start at verse 13. I'm going to read through verse 16, then we're going to jump over to 21, and then we're going to go to the very end of this passage as we look at what happened. So at this point, they, they have been given this land, Joshua's challenged them, make sure you follow after the Lord. Now they've built an altar, they've assembled for war, and Israel actually sends leaders from each tribe to go confront these two and a half tribes and ask them, hey, what's going on? What are you thinking? And we're going to see here what takes place. Verse 13. 
Then the people of Israel sent to the people of Reuben and the people of Gad, the half tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead. Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and with him ten chiefs, one from each of the tribal families of Israel, every one of them the head of a family along the clans of Israel. And they came to the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, the half tribe of Manasseh in the land of Gilead. And they said to them, thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, what is this breach of faith that you have committed against the God of Israel in turning away this day from following the Lord by building yourselves an altar this day in rebellion against the Lord? Now jump to verse 21. This is where they start to respond. Then the people of Reuben, the people of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh said in answer to the heads of the families of Israel, The Mighty One, God the Lord, the Mighty One, God the Lord, He knows, and let Israel itself know, if it was in rebellion or in breach of faith against the Lord, do not spare us today. For building an altar to turn away from following the Lord. Or if we did so to offer burnt offerings or grain offerings or peace offerings on it. May the Lord himself take vengeance. No. But we did it from fear. That in time to come your children might say to our children. What have you to do with the Lord the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you. You people of Reuben and people of Gad, you have no portion in the Lord. So your children might make our children cease to worship the Lord. Therefore, we said, let us now build an altar, not for burnt offering nor for sacrifice, but to be a witness between us and you and between our generation after us, that we do perform the service of the Lord in his presence with our burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings So your children will not say to our children in time to come, you have no portion in the Lord. And jump to verse 33. Verse 33 and 34 says, And the report was good in the eyes of the people of Israel. The people of Israel blessed God and spoke no more of making war against them to destroy the land where the people of Reuben and the people of Gad were settled. The people of Reuben and the people of Gad called the altar witness, for they said, it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Now, many people evaluate this and they go, there's some major conflict taking place and some resolution to that conflict. And yet in the midst of this, there's an intensity about not only walking in the truth and defending the truth, but also a desire to pursue unity around the truth. It wasn't that the rest of Israel had this vendetta against these two and a half tribes. It was that their priority was the commands of the Lord. Our priority is to do the will of God. To faithfully obey His commands. And if that means we have to call and call out and rebuke and ultimately bring to destruction someone who is potentially going to lead us away from that, then we will do that for the sake of God's law and command. Now, as I was thinking about this, I I was wrestling with this reality that we often, when we perceive potential 
unfaithfulness amongst a brother and sister in Christ. Or just in the church as a whole. We often have two responses. One of two responses. The first one is that we just don't do anything. And we hope it will go away. I'm just going to avoid this. I may even avoid this person. Or I'll avoid this discussion. Because I really don't. I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm. Some of you are, are right now going, I do not like conflict. I just avoid conflict. Okay? The other side is that we see unfaithfulness or we see something that we go, this isn't right, and we lash out without any desire at all to see unity around that which is true. And most of the time we lash out out of a sense of our own idea of what truth is, not out of what we see God's word actually communicates truth is. And the most common way this is done is not face to face. People don't lash out face to face because they're, they're intimidated by it. We lash out through these walls of media we've created, whether it be social media or email or text message. And this is a, this is a terrible idea. Okay, don't don't do that. Every time I hear something like that happening, I just stop and go, what are you thinking? This is, not, this is not defending the truth. And yet there is something really powerful about when we see, whether it's an individual person or a section of the church who is moving in a direction contrary to what truth says, to, to go directly to and say, what is this you are doing just as even israel said this what is this breach of faith you have committed against the god of israel in turning away this day from following the lord because do we really believe that when someone goes their own way that they're sinning against the lord or do we say they're sinning against us because there's a big difference there's a big difference faithfully pursue unity around the truth now, what happens when we unite around the truth? Well, the first thing we need to identify is what is the truth? And I'm going to give you a really simple answer this morning from John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And someone said, well, yeah, but the, isn't the word of God the truth? John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you know what else it says about the Word that is describing Jesus there? It says He was full of grace and truth. Intersects both. So, if we mutually agree that to unite around the truth is to unite around the very person of Jesus, what happens when we unite around Jesus? When we unite around Jesus, we unite around a mutual understanding that we have all fallen desperately short of God's righteousness. When you look at the person of Jesus, you realize just how tainted you are. When we unite around Jesus, we recognize that Joshua's words in verse 5, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways, to keep His commandments, to cling to Him, to serve Him with all your heart and all your soul, has only been perfectly done by Christ. He's the only one who's accomplished that perfectly. The nation of Israel did not 
follow through with this. Spoiler alert. They failed in a big way and they lost all of it. When we unite around Jesus, understanding that he perfectly accomplished what was needed to stand in the presence of God and then died on our behalf, raising from the dead, defeating death, we celebrate together a seemingly impossible victory that has been won eternally over sin and death. When we unite around Jesus, we unite around the greatest example of God's grace and faithfulness that has ever been given. And then what? In recognition of God's faithfulness, live faithfully. Church, it's the greatest motivation that we have ever been given. That even when we see our own sin, We see the sin of our children. We see the sin of our culture. Instead of becoming bitter and angry, it should make us realize all the more the depth of God's faithfulness to give us a way of escape from our own pit. And then, my goodness, when we see that for what it is, may we dedicate our lives surrendered to a holy God, committed to walking, defending And unifying around a faithfulness that's rooted in Him. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to sing one more song about how good God is to celebrate that together. Father, we are grateful that You are a God who is holy. You are faithful. You are righteous. You are just. And You have given us the opportunity to be united together in Jesus. Father, may we grow and learn from the example shared with us through the nation of Israel that we would not become comfortable or complacent with where we feel like we were at, but that we would actively pursue continually living and walking in faithfulness before God, before You. Lord, open our eyes to see practically how we do this in our homes, practically how we do this in our jobs, practically how we do this in our marriages. And, Father, most of all, practically how we do this right here with each other. Lord, this world, this community desperately needs a church that is united under that which is true. Father, Mold us and shape us to be the very church you've called us to be in your word. I pray this all through the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.